0: Portions of the following program may be pre recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is. Worth the living just because he lives God send his son. It's worth living just because he lives.
2: I can face tomorrow because I know Jesus lives and he has the victory and he assured my victory. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I don't talk here about politics. I don't talk here about what's going on in America very often because all of those things are transitory. Instead, I talk about Jesus. He is the love of my heart. He is who matters. It is what he thinks. It is what he believes. It is what he wants that matters to me. So I talk about him. And I want you to totally give yourself into Jesus' hands because he lives and he will give us the victory I have the victory. I fasted and prayed all last week. But it wasn't until this morning that the Holy Spirit came and brought me into victory again. I'm going to share some of that with you today. But I'm also going to take you to the scriptures because I want you to know that what I'm just going to describe for you today is not just my fantasy. It is the word of God. It is what he has promised he would do. Let's begin in Romans the 8th chapter. I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 31. If God is for us, Who is against us? He who even spared not his own son, but handed him over in behalf of us all, how will he not also freely give us all things with him? Who will bring a charge against the elect ones of God? God is the one making righteous. Who is the one who will be condemning Christ is the one having died, further, in fact, also having been raised, who is also at the right hand of God, who also intercedes in our behalf. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? or peril, or sword? Just as it has been written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as as sheep for slaughter. But in all these things we are more than conquerors through the one having loved us. For I have been persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor powers nor things having been present nor things coming nor height nor depth nor any different creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As you know Romans 8 is the descriptor that Paul gives us of the normal Christian life. We have the victory. Now it's up to us to take possession of that victory. I have to tell you that in my life, I have fallen far, far short of the glory of God. I have often been filled with pride and arrogance. I have often been an entrepreneur with the gospel, walking in flesh, Not in the spirit, being a promoter, desiring to seek my own success and my own glory. Oh, I didn't say that. Of course not. It was all couched in very religious words. But the truth was I was selfishly trying to use the gospel for my own promotion I have sinned grievously against the God of heaven. And he has dealt with me with great compassion, but very severely. And through that compassion and kindness and mercy, the devil has had to flee from me. He has had to depart. Now it's very easy to spend a great amount of time, even years, ruminating in my own wickedness. It's easy to condemn myself and beat myself up for the many times I have so wronged my Lord Jesus and others. I have not been, in my mind, or in the mind of Jesus, a good man. Many people would say, oh, Pastor Ray is a good man. No, there's only one who is good, and his name is Jesus. And he is a good man. He's a wonderful man. He's a man of compassion and love and mercy and grace, long-suffering patience. And I can tell you today without any equivocation, He loves you. And it has grieved the heart of God. It has grieved the Holy Spirit when I have spent a great deal of time ruminating, considering. beating myself up for my sin now the problem with ruminating and and condemning myself is that it means i am paying the price for my sin i was not called to pay the price for my sin i was not called to clean up my mess I was called by Jesus to repent and to leave the pigsty and to return to him. That prodigal son tried to beat himself up and say, I'm not worthy to be your son. And that was true. And I'm not worthy to be this and I'm not worthy to be that. And all of that was true. The father just put his robe around him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and said, come home, son. I love you. What I'm trying to say to you is it does not profit us to spend a great deal of time after having once repented to go back over and over to the same sin and bruise ourselves over what we have so wrongfully done to jesus to the holy spirit to the father and what we have so wrongfully done to others and to ourselves it is not useful to keep going back to that once it has been repented of and we have given it over to jesus and our pride has been broken but many times i would rather condemn myself and thus being able to continue holding on to my precious idol, myself. The Lord does not want me to do that. He wants instead to bring me through to victory, and he wants to bring you through to victory. He wants to put a new spirit in us. Let me read this for you. It's out of the book of James. And as you know, Pastor James was in charge of the New Testament church. Now, you would think that in the New Testament church, everything was perfect, but it was not. And some people say, oh, we must return to the New Testament church. No, we must not return to the New Testament church. We must return to Jesus and let him shape the church as he will. Listen to what James says to his church members. If a pastor stood in front of the congregation today in most places in America, and he said these things to his congregation, they would fire him promptly. But he was speaking in the spirit, and he was speaking the truth. Listen. James, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse four, adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with reference to God? Now, were they or were they not actually committing adultery? I don't know. But it's clear that in the New Testament church, there was a move away from the Lord Jesus and into friendship with the world and into compromise with darkness. And that is what has happened in the American church. Consequently, whoever may wish to be a friend of the world is made an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwell in us desires us with jealousy, in other words, the Holy Spirit is jealous for your attention and your love and your your devotion to Jesus. And he is he is grieved by your love of the world and the flesh and the devil. It says, but he gives greater grace, therefore it says, God resists the proud. In other words, In the Greek, literally, God sets himself up against the proud who would compromise with the world. God has set himself up against the American church and its deadness and its wickedness and its compromise with the world. God has set himself up against those who believe they can continue to walk in sin and still be saved. God has arrayed his battle against you. Keep your finger there in James, the fourth chapter, and go with me to the Gospel of John, the third chapter. Let me read this. Verse 16. The one believing in the Son has eternal life. That is, the one who has made Jesus first in his life, who has denied himself, taken up his cross, and has been crucified with Jesus Christ, and has entered then into the resurrection of Jesus. It says, the one believing in the Son has eternal life. But the one disobeying the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God continues to remain upon him. If you continue to disobey the commands of Jesus, if you continue to believe that you can walk in sin and still be saved, if you still believe that God has unconditional love and his grace covers you like a blanket and you're good to go in the midst of your sin, God has arrayed himself against you and against that church or that ministry that believes that lie. It is a different gospel than the one taught in the scriptures. And the wrath of God continues to remain upon that person. Now, back to James, the third chapter. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the man or woman who is willing to humble their heart before Almighty God and is willing to be made righteous by the blood of Jesus and leave their sin. Verse 7. Therefore, you must be subject to God. It is an imperative. It is a decision we make that we will be in submission to Jesus Christ. And then it says... And must resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The devil will run from you. I was awake this morning about 4 a.m. I got up. And then after some time, it was still very, very dark. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back and lay down for a little bit and maybe it'll get light and then I'll take a walk and have some time with Jesus. So I lay down again. The house was freezing cold. So I turned a little bit of heat on just to take the chill off the house. And immediately I was asleep, and I had a dream. Now, I believe that God speaks today, according to the book of Joel and many other places. He speaks to us in dreams and visions. But specifically, it says that old men will dream dreams, and I'm an old man, and I dream dreams. The Lord speaks to me very powerfully in dreams many times. Sometimes, when it's most vital, he'll speak audibly to me, and I hear him as you hear me speaking with you. And other times, he'll quicken a passage of Scripture and make it come alive to me in the Spirit, and I know it's the Spirit of God speaking with me. I had a dream. I was standing on a a road, a paved road, on the edge. There were some other people a little distance from me. Some movement in the grass off on the side of the road caught my attention. And so I looked carefully to see what it was. And suddenly, this huge snake came up on the road about two or three feet was a big snake, six feet or longer, I don't know. And then suddenly I see two other snakes coming. Now, the Lord has often spoken to me in dreams about snakes, and always the snakes have been demonic. And on those times where a snake has bitten me in a dream, I know that health-wise, I'm in danger. And I know that in ministry, things are going to crash, and I'm in trouble. When a snake comes, and I know it's demonic, and I knew in my dream instantly that these three snakes were demonic and they were coming for me. And the Holy Spirit so quickened my heart that I charged them. I ran at them. And I shouted at them. And I said, in the name of Jesus, be gone. You have no business with me. I have the victory in Jesus. And instantly, those snakes turned, leaping over one another. I've never seen snakes in such a hurry to escape. They were certain they were going to die. And I stood there rejoicing. I saw another sign that I'll not go into, saying that the devil was determined to bring death to me and to those around me. And again, I shouted and I rebuked, and the devil fled. Some of you today are facing incredible attacks by the enemy. You are being faced with destruction in your family or in your health. As I prayed for one woman the Lord immediately showed me a serpent that bit her. And her health is now causing her in danger to lose her life. And I've been crying out to the Lord for she and her husband. This attack of Satan upon me in the early hours of this morning I was unwilling to allow it. I stood in its face and I said, I bind you in the name of Jesus and I command you to go. You have no part with me and I have no part with you. I belong to Jesus. And as I shouted at these snakes and as I shouted at this wicked image that came, they all fled. The scriptures say, you must be subject to God. In other words, you must be in complete submission to God. And you must, imperative, you must resist the devil and he will flee from you. You must draw near to God and he will draw near to you. you will have no power to resist the serpents that come biting and devouring in your life. You will have no power to deal with the sickness that comes to extinguish your life if you have not made yourself subject, if you have not submitted to the conditions that Jesus very clearly laid out for us. You must say, no, you must deny yourself. You must say, I don't know me anymore. I belong to Jesus. You must take up your cross and you must come to an utter end of all of your self. And you must confess If Jesus doesn't save me, I won't be saved. If Jesus does not come and deliver me, I will not be delivered. I have no power to deliver myself from the demonic powers of hell that come charging at me. I'm not the first one to say things like this. You remember the story of Martin Luther in the Wittenberg castle as he was writing and the devil came at him and he picked up his, his ink well and threw it at the devil. And to this day in Wittenberg, there is on the wall a stain from his broken bottle as it splashed on the wall of that castle. You must Resist the devil. And you cannot do that in your own power. He must come and give you courage and hope and faith. And you must put your confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone. You cannot sort out the brokenness of your life. You cannot sort out the sin of your heart without the Holy Spirit. And you must resist the devil and bind him in the name of Jesus and say, be gone, I'll have nothing to do with you. And you must choose to draw near to God. And it says, and he will draw near to you. It is an act on our part to determine that we will draw near to Jesus. It means we lay aside the television. We lay aside the video games. We lay aside those things that so easily snare us and lead us into unconsciousness and into darkness. We must say no to the bitterness that would rise in our hearts. To the words of accusation and the words of judgment. We must say no to those. We must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. We must draw near to God. And as we do this, He will draw near to you. You must cleanse your hands you sinners, and must purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, stop questioning whether God loves you. Stop questioning whether he will deliver you. Stand in faith, draw near to Jesus, and say, Enough of this. This warfare has no place in my life. I belong to Jesus. This sickness must go in the name of Jesus. How long do you want to be crippled and sick? How long do you want to be caught in that fornication, in that pornography? How long do you want to be caught in those novels, in those lies? How long do you want to be caught in the television, in unconsciousness? How long do you want to be caught in strife with your wife, your husband, or your children? How long do you want to live in a bitter, angry way? When will you stop demanding your way and say, Jesus, I want what you want, and I will draw near to you, almighty God. I will draw near to you, Jesus. By cleansing your hands, he means you must wash your hands. you must purify your hearts. You must stop being double-minded. You must believe that what Jesus has said is true. Over here in James, the third chapter, he says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, you must not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom is not coming down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition are, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, kind, reasonable, full of mercy— And good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by the ones making peace. Wow. Do you have anyone in your life you need to make peace with? Have you cut somebody off and said words of judgment against them? You need to make peace. You have felt superior. Judgmental. You need to go make peace. No, it's their fault. Look what he did. Look what she said. No. I'm looking at you. You must be a peacemaker. It said you must draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. It requires an action on your part. Salvation is behavioral, that behavior comes straight from the heart of Jesus. We are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. We are regenerated by the blood of Jesus. And if we are not, we are not saved and we are still an enemy of God. So you must cleanse your hands, you sinners. He's speaking to his congregation. He's saying, you're sinners. Stop it. You must purify your hearts, you double-minded. You must lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be changed to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You must be humbled before the Lord and he will exalt you. How will he exalt you? By making the devil run from you, by healing you, by restoring you by restoring your relationships, by restoring your family, by restoring what has been broken and destroyed. But first you must be humbled before him and you must confess that he alone can do this work of grace for you, that you cannot do it, that only Jesus can do it. Oh, my brother, my sister, In the early hours of this morning as the Lord gave me this dream and I was awakened and then immediately got up, put a bathrobe over my pajamas and came into the prayer closet again and began to rejoice He had given me the victory over Satan, over discouragement, over despair, over hopelessness. He is my victory. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It matters what Jesus thinks about you. Dr. Luke wrote in chapter 9, verse 23 If anyone would come after me, or if anyone would follow me, he must disown himself. You realize when you disown yourself, you give up all of your ambitions and all of your dreams. You choose to abstain, to lose sight of one's own self-interest, to disown yourself, and take up your cross daily. And that word, take up, is a nautical term in the Greek, and it means literally to weigh anchors and sail away. He's saying you must disown your self-interests. You must even disown your responsibilities. And you must pull up your anchor. And you must sail away to where Jesus is sending you. You must follow Jesus. 24 hours a day, you follow Jesus. In every area of life, you follow Jesus. People will say, You can't do that, Pastor. Oh, yes, I can. If Jesus says so, it's done. I'm not going to argue with him, I'm not going to fight for my own ideals. I'm not going to fight for what others consider to be my responsibilities. I'm going to resist the devil and command him to leave me. And I'm going to be subject to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. I'm going to follow. If he tells me to move, I move. If he tells me to stay, I stay. I'm right now living in a townhouse in the midst of many other townhouses. This is the last place in the world I would have chosen. Before I was on a beautiful wooded lot of two acres, I could feed the birds and watch as the deer and the bear came through my backyard. Now I'm in the midst of constant sound. I didn't come here on my own. The Lord led me here because he has several people I've already met and spoken to and begun to form friendships with that he desires to bring them into salvation. He desires to rescue them. Okay, if he needed to place me here for a short period of time to minister to others, is that all right? Yes, I don't care where I live. I care only that I'm where Jesus wants me to be, to accomplish the work of his kingdom. That's what I care about. If he wants to cause you to lose your job, is that all right? Yes, Do you bear witness in that job that Jesus is the Christ? Do you trust him? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. If you believe that, it's okay wherever he leads you and you'll go quickly. It says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me will save it. I have lost my life for Jesus. I've lost family members. I've lost business opportunities. I've lost travel opportunities. I've lost many things. I don't want to save my life. I gladly give them all up. I lose my life so that Jesus will save my life, the life he has for me, not the life I planned for myself. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very soul? So what if I am Ultimately successful and esteemed by everyone. Everyone that is but Jesus. What have I gained? What if I have been responsible for everyone's demands upon my life? And they have said to me, if you don't do it, you don't care. You're not a loving person oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, what did Jesus tell me to do? I want what Jesus said. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. I want Jesus to greet me and say well done thou good and faithful servant. I do not want to hear the words depart from me you worker of iniquity. You did your own thing, you went your own way, you you did your own business. You were in charge of your life. You went and got what you wanted. You did not go and get what I wanted you to get, which was the salvation of that brother or that sister. You didn't move when I told you to move. You said, oh, I can't. I've got these responsibilities. I don't want Jesus to say to me, Why didn't you humble your heart and obey me? Why didn't you humble your heart and obey me? So I ask you today, have you denied yourself? Have you weighed anchor and sailed away into the future that Jesus has for you? Are you willing to take up your cross and to follow Jesus? I am. I am. I am. I'm doing it now, and I praise his name. And he's had such compassion on me. He's had such such patience with me. I have the victory in Jesus today. I'm waiting on him. I'm resting in him. I want you to do the same. Our life is so very precious to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is jealous for you. He wants you. He loves you. But if you're going to come close to him as he has invited you today, you're going to have to disown yourself and give up your prejudice and your favorite ideas. You're going to have to give up your plans. You're going to have to disown yourself. And you're going to have to come to the Lord humbly. You're going to have to open the scriptures. You're going to have to read and pray and confess and repent going to have to even weep before him over the pride that's been in your heart, through the arrogance, you're going to have to repent for that, for those bitter words, for those angry thoughts, for those selfish actions, you're going to have to repent and humble your heart. For that pornography, that fornication, that alcohol, those drugs. The bitterness and the anger and the recriminations, the gossip, the slander. The parties, the lifestyle of wickedness. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to turn away from that. you're going to have to come close to God. And you come close to him by repenting. That's the only way I know to come close to God. It's by repenting and by receiving his forgiveness, receiving his power and saying, okay, I'm done. I'm done with me. I want Jesus. A brother said to me this morning as I spoke with him, God has blocked me in on every side all of my life. And I have rebelled. And I've chased down many rabbit holes. I had to say the same is true of me, brother. I too have chased down many rabbit holes. I too have tried to do it my way. But God has blocked me in. And he has cut from me my personal life and he's given me his life. I want that for you. I want Jesus to come and cut from you your personal life. And I want you to weigh anchor and sail away with Jesus. Almighty God, I come today with precious men and women, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, who desperately need you, Jesus. We come humbling our heart before you, and we come seeking your face, Jesus we don't come seeking your hand for what you can do for us. We come seeking the intimacy of your face to bow before you, to receive from you the courage and the strength to resist the devil that he will have to flee from us, that he can no longer bite or devour us, that he can no longer bring curses upon us. We we bind every curse spoken against each person listening to this broadcast. We bind that curse now. Someone who has thought about dying, about suicide, we bind that spirit of suicide, and we cast it out in the name of Jesus, and we say, you have the victory in Jesus. Come to him quickly. And he will deliver you. Some of you are caught in desperate sin. And Jesus is saying, Come to me, and I will deliver you from the devil. Resist him, and he will run from you. And I will bring you into my kingdom. Lord, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lord, some are struggling in sickness and we speak a word of healing right now. In the name of Jesus, I stretch my hand out and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. You have the victory in the blood of Jesus Christ over every sickness and disease. Thank you, Lord. Some are Our hopeless Lord, discouraged, depressed, and weeping, I stretch my hand out to them in the name of Jesus and say, grab the hand of Jesus, be lifted up, be encouraged, know that he loves you, that you are precious to him. Lord, thank you. We break every assignment of the devil against each person listening to this broadcast. We break that assignment and we say, Be gone, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You have no business, I claim, each of these precious ones as believers in you, Jesus, and as men and women who you are saving and restoring and healing in the name of Jesus. Some of you may never have confessed the name of Jesus. I urge you now, reach out your hand to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you rescue me from the devil? I give my life to you. I will be crucified with you. I will follow you, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, move in power for each person as they need it today. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're just about out of time for this broadcast. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You're welcome to come worship with us if you're in the metro area. If you go to nationalprayerchapel.com, you'll find the phone number. You can call me or you can get the directions. We'd love to have you come. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. We finish at noon and then we have a lunch together. You're welcome to come and share in that and in the fellowship. Thank you, my brother, my sister. Mr. Producer, how much time do we have left? I can't hear you. How much time do we have? We have one minute. Lord, in this last few seconds of this broadcast, I lift up your name and I praise you and I worship you, and I honor you, Lord of heaven and Lord of earth.
0: I am Derek Greer, host